had to have that water hot for Laura. We didn't want her getting cold in there uh, this morning. Well, hey, church, it's good to be together. Uh, so glad to be worshiping God together and, and opening up his word. I, I think Joey might have said this, but uh, just, just a, uh, another reminder, uh, we're in a season right now where we're asking as a church uh, to nominate men for the role of deacon in this church, a role of just serving. Uh, deacons do some specific things on Sundays so that this place uh, is able to uh, function. And so there is a place on our website to go and nominate uh, men that biblically fit uh, what Timothy and Titus talk about in terms of uh, who should be in those roles in the church. And so I believe it's uh, graceradle.org backslash or forward slash deacon or deacons, one of those. Just throw that word deacon on the end or throw an S and it'll, it'll lead you on where to, to sign up for that. Well, um, today we are uh, without our senior pastor. I uh, did want to share with you guys that he's in the Holy Land. Now, when he first told me he was going to the Holy Land, I thought he was going to Israel. But according to him, Pittsburgh is the Holy Land. Uh, so please pray for him. Uh, he's a tragic, lifelong Steelers fan. Uh, and, and one day, hopefully, he'll see the light of the Cowboys. I'm already raising my boys to know the Cowboys. So all you non-Cowboys fans out there, we do welcome you in this church. But you're not, you're not with God's team. So I don't know why God's team loses so much. But you're, you're not with God's team. But nevertheless, we're continuing our series this morning in the book of Colossians. So I want to invite you to turn there. We're in chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. And we're going to be concluding this first chapter uh, in the book. Uh, I'm not sure if I said my name earlier, but if I did, my name's Tim. And I'm one of the pastors. If you're new here, so, so glad that you're with us uh, and joining us. It's been a really great series so far as we've been studying this book. So as you guys are turning there to Colossians chapter 1... Uh, I do want to just kind of catch us up on what's been said so far in the first couple verses uh, in this book. So Paul had heard about this church in the city of Colossae from another believer named Epiphras. And he had shared the gospel with this group of uh, young believers there, this group of young Christians, right? And, and so the gospel had been spreading in the early church and, and when I say early church, there was lots of churches and lots of different cities popping up because disciples were going and discipling others and people were getting closer to God. And Paul was serving as an apostle and he was teaching the teachers and the pastors of these congregations and he was writing letters to these congregations so that they understood clearly doctrine, who Jesus was and what he had did, and he wanted to encourage them. And he had heard wonderful things about this church, and so he pens this letter to them, a group of believers, uh, many of which he had met before in other cities, but had not met this specific group of believers, but he had heard so many things about them, his heart began to beat for them, and he wanted to write to them to encourage them. And he was encouraged by what he heard and their faith in God, their trust in God, and their genuine love for one another, which had been uh, shown and heard from other churches. And, and he shared in the first couple of verses that his hope and his prayer for them is that they would reach complete maturity in Christ. That they wouldn't miss out on the full life that God had planned for them. That they would experience everything that God desired for them. And that he was praying for them. And then last week, Pastor Eddie read and shared how uh, they could trust God. Because God is sufficient for everything they need, that he was supreme over all things, that, that, that Christ come down as God himself in the flesh, 
is who everything was made through and who everything was made for. And Christ wants to present his bride, the church, them as holy and blameless. And Christ is all they need for this journey of growing in truth and righteousness. And so that's what he's shared so far. And today we pick up in chapter 1. And as we begin to read these, I, I want to ask you a question like I always do uh, to kind of frame our mindset as we head into uh, these verses. And here's the question I want to ask us this morning. Have you ever, church, have you ever sacrificed or suffered or worked hard for someone else's gain? Have you ever sacrificed yourself? Have you ever suffered on behalf of someone else? Have you ever worked hard for someone else's gain? Maybe um, you saw some chores that needed to be done around the house and you, you stepped up and without anybody asking, you did what was needed and your parents freaked out. Uh, or kids, uh, you know, maybe at school also you saw somebody uh, who was in need and you stepped in for them. Uh, parents, we can think of many things that, that we've done uh, for our kids. Uh, or you've given money to help someone in need for the purpose of helping someone else. Uh, or you stood by somebody and taken some of the consequences for their actions that weren't your actions, but because you loved them, you stood by their side through the consequences. I could think of lots of things, but the question is simple. Have you ever sacrificed? Have you ever suffered? Have you ever worked hard for somebody else's benefit, for someone else's gain? And I think one more question is why? Why did you do it? Or, you know, in the words of the famous uh, theologian Brian Adams, everything I did, I did it for you, right? I was, I was rocking out to that this morning with our, with our Sunday playlist as we ate breakfast. So why? Why is it that uh, you did those things uh, for someone else? Well, we're going to see this morning Paul's mindset, his motivation, and the means by which he endured suffering and through his example, as we read this letter this morning, we're going to see the purpose for which all of our sacrifices and all of our suffering should be for. So as we open God's word, would you pray with me again? Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we don't come together every week uh, trying to think of what it is that we're supposed to do or where we should turn as a church. But we know where to turn. We know that we, we can turn to you because of what you've done on our behalf and because of uh, the words that you've left us here in your word. And so, God, I just pray that as we read your word this morning and we see uh, what our mindset and what our purpose should be uh, for all of our striving and all of our suffering, God, I pray that, again, it would not be my words, but it would be your word that would lift us up and encourage us. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, uh, the, the verses are hopefully you have your Bible open. Chapter 1, verse 24, Colossians. And I'm also going to have the verses behind me on the screen. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. 
To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So we're going to go back through verse by verse now. And uh, we're going to start with verse 24. And I want to unpack what Paul's saying. And, and, and I want to spend a lot of time really on this first verse, verse 24, where he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, church. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. We see here in this verse that Paul had a genuine love for people. He genuinely loved them. He joyfully suffered for the advancement of God's early church. He wanted to see the gospel go out. He wanted to see people within churches blossom and grow. And he was willing to do whatever it took uh, so that that could happen. And he rather that he suffer, that he pay the price than anyone else. If he could take away the suffering from someone else, he wanted to take it upon himself. And we know from reading through the scriptures that he was threatened. We know that he was verbally attacked. We know that he was rejected. We know that he was jailed. We know that he was beaten. If you remember reading through the book of Acts and through the Bible, he was the cream of the crop religious leader of their day. But their religion had led people away from the Messiah, God himself, and become a shell of what it was supposed to be. And it was just all these rules and regulations. They were always supposed to live by faith, the Jewish people. But he was, he was a leader amongst leaders. And God got a hold of him and showed him the truth. And he began to take everything he knew about the Bible and see all the connections of God's constant promise from day one of the Messiah to come that the only way we're saved is not by works, not by following all these rules, but simply by God himself. His offering was sufficient for us. And Paul proclaimed that everywhere, then using the scriptures to teach all the things that are right that the Bible tells us, what's good for us in this new life to everyone. And so remember, in order to do that, he, was, he turned his back on, on all the people he had, uh, he had been in society with. And so he was abused and attacked, thrown in prison, beaten. And he said, praise God, if I could just use my life to tell people about Jesus. And he literally, 2,000 years ago, sat in a prison and penned this letter to this small group of Christians that we read today. So we know that he had a genuine love uh, because he endured suffering. And one thing that stands out to me as we read this verse, and I think about Paul as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, was his attitude, was his mindset in suffering. He says here, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. The only way I can begin even begin to understand this is maybe as a parent. I would not want any pain to come to my kids, and I would definitely want to stand in the way, hopefully for my wife too, uh, but she's an adult, right? But hopefully I would want to stand in the way to protect my wife, my young boys. It's the only way I can even begin to understand this. But Paul went so far and beyond because he was standing in the gap for all these other people. And he's like, let it come to me, not to them. Let me suffer anything I suffer 
is, is gain if I can spread the good news of Christ. And it says that he had joy, that he rejoiced in it. And if we go back to a couple weeks ago, when we were reading verses 10 through 12 in this letter, you know, remember Paul describes the maturity that he was hoping for them, the maturity in Christ that he wanted for this group of believers. And he said, hey, what does it look like to reach full maturity? He said four things. He said, you know, you live a fruitful life, that your life is fruitful. And he also said uh, that you will grow in the knowledge of God. You'll know who God is. You'll be joyful in your endurance and patience towards difficult circumstances and difficult people. And you'll be thankful to God. That's what it looks like. Thankfulness in your life and joyfulness in suffering. And we can see that Paul's a living testimony of this. He was suffering uh, to a big degree and he was joyful about it. And that stands out to me. But I'm still stuck on this. And I thought, really, joyful suffering. And so I went and I looked up these words in the Greek. I don't speak Greek, but I can look it up. So I went to the Greek, and I'm like, I want to know exactly what these words meant in their original translation. I want to get as close as I can to understanding them. So this word rejoice, it's, it's like you would think it means. It means full of cheer, full of joy. So in his sufferings, Paul's response was, I'm going to be full of cheer. Now, I celebrate uh, when my team wins. I celebrate birthdays. Uh, I celebrate all sorts of stuff. I don't, trials don't come my way. I'm like, yeah, awesome, go God, winning. Right? Like I just, I'm going through a hard circumstance. This is, I don't do that. But that's what Paul says that he did. He was full of cheer. Or this really struck me. Here's the other technical Greek words to describe this. He was calmly happy. That, again, does not describe me when I go through sacrifice or suffering. He was calmly happy. And suffering uh, means uh, something under, undergone, hardship, pain. And so I, I pause here this morning, church, uh, because I get so excited to read God's word. And I get really excited to read it together. And if you've been here before to, to, to Grace, you know that we primarily, most Sundays, get up here and teach the Bible verse by verse. We just read it verse by verse. And I, I, I'm getting to this very first verse, this very part of chapter 1. And I, I got to be honest with you, I think I'm about ready to just take the Bible and put it right here and just, you know, see you guys later. Walk on out of here um, because I don't know that I really want that to be my life. I don't know that I really want to be calmly happy to go through hardship and pain. And let me ask, is that, is that you? Is that what you're looking for? Did you come here today and go, Pastor, thank, I'm, man, I can't wait to be in church. What's the pastor going to say? What's the Bible going to say? Uh, God's word for us is that you should be full of cheer and you should be calmly happy <laughs> when difficult things come your way. I, I just read that, and I read it again this morning, and I was like, what? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't know about this following Jesus. This is, this, this is crazy. And nevertheless, that's what Paul was uh, living, that's what he was experiencing. That's his word to us today. This is God's word to us. Uh, it doesn't mean that we should, I think, long for suffering. We know from Luke twenty-two forty-two 42, uh, that Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. If it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, 
but yours be done. So I don't think we should, we know from God's word that we should be out there and leave today going like, bring it on. Let me look for some suffering, (laughs) right? I don't think we need to seek it out. And yet we know through God's word, the promise is that if we're going to follow Christ, we will suffer. We will sacrifice. It is the call. We We are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ and walk that path to pursue righteousness, which is the opposite way of this world. And that as we pursue it, that we should have a calm peace about us. We should have a calm joy about us. That we should know uh, how great is what we have in Christ, that we can walk through these sufferings, not seeking it out, because certainly God did not either, but that we can have perseverance and peace in it. And he continues to say in this verse uh, that he filled up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, one thing that this verse is not saying is that, that Christ's suffering on the cross for us was not sufficient for salvation. We know through Hebrews 10.10 10, uh, that Christ died once for all, that there is nothing else that is needed for our salvation. So this verse is not saying that Paul or we need to suffer because what Christ did was not sufficient for salvation. But it is saying that it is our privilege as believers to suffer for Christ. It's a way to say, when I seek the path of Christ, when I seek to do what is right, when I pursue the right path, it's a way of saying to God, I love you. When we go against the grain of this world and we follow Christ, it's a way of joining God and his redemptive work and his story that he is working out where he is making all things new. And it is saying to us that Christ continues to suffer when Christians suffer for him. Christ asked Saul when he was on the Damascus road, who then became Paul later, before he was converted, his name was Saul. And he said, why do you persecute me? Paul, Saul was out persecuting Christians. And Jesus' words to him at that point were, you're persecuting Christians, you're persecuting me. You see, when we suffer, Christ is also suffering. The afflictions of Christ, this verse is talking about, the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, Those are Christ's actual sufferings now. When I started reading this verse this week, I started thinking of it as in the past, like he's completing something from the past. But when he says here what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, it's the afflictions, the suffering that our Savior is still going through today. Why? Because every time we suffer, Christ suffers because he dwells in us. His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have the kingdom, we have Christ, we are saved, but not yet because one day he's coming back and we will all be in heaven one day. And this blew my mind, church, as I studied this this week. And it blows my mind this morning because if you're anything like me, this is how I usually approach my suffering. Why, God? Why? Why are you letting this happen? When are you going to step in? What's going on? I don't like this, God. How could you let this happen? One of the main reasons people reject God is they say, how could a good God let so much evil happen in this world? And yet that was never God's plan. God hates sin. Jesus died a bloody, gruesome death to pay the price for sin once and for all. He gave himself completely and then he rose again like new to show that no sin could hold him down. And we know from reading the scriptures that one day... He's coming back, and we will not live in sin anymore. And so church, 
This is not my word to you. This is God's word to you. Verse 24 of Colossians 1, when you suffer, whatever you are suffering right now in your life, your Savior, Christ, is suffering as well. Your pain is his pain. And for me, that changes the way I approach my suffering. Because he knows that I'm suffering. He's hurting with me. It's not me against God, wondering when God's just going to step in and fix the situation. It's me with God. Because God hates the brokenness in me that I'm suffering through. God hates the brokenness in this world that I'm suffering through, that you're suffering through. And yet we can continue to turn to him and say, God, make all things new. Redeem me. Redeem my family. Redeem my church. Redeem my city. And we can patiently wait that he is going to show up and do an amazing work. My mind is blown reading these things. This passage hit me like a ton of bricks this week. That I can have joy and I can remember that my suffering is with Christ. Not separate from him. Every tear I cry, he's crying with me because he's hurting because he goes, I don't want my servant Tim to hurt. I don't want my servants out there to be hurting. And he's waiting for the day that he's going to come back to make all things new. I love this verse. I love this verse in 2 Peter 3. I'm not going to bring it up. I want to read it to you. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness. But he is long-suffering. He is long-suffering. He is patient toward us, not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Church, I cannot tell you how many times in my life as a Christian that I have needed to come to repentance because my heart has grown cold because I have given into some pattern of sin. So many times in my life I've come to places like this and sat in the back and wept knowing that what I was living was not for me, that God had something different, that God had something better, that I wasn't choosing the right that he had for me in this word. And what God's word says to us is that as I'm suffering, he's suffering, and he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to be separate from him. He doesn't want you to be separate from him. He doesn't want your neighbors to be separate from him. He doesn't want anyone in this church to be far from God. He wants us all to be close to God. I have a few minutes to read the last verses. Like I said, I wanted to spend most of my time in that first verse. Here's 25, church. This is the message of Christ. This was his motivation. Why did Christ suffer? Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Paul became a minister. That word means an attendant, a waiter, a server. I used to work at Johnny Carino's. I remember what it's like to be a server. Some of you guys have worked in the food industry at one point in your life. It's, it's not a glorious job, waiting tables. But you want your guests to have a great meal a great experience, and you serve others. That's what Paul did. He said, I became a waiter. That's what that word means, a minister, a waiter, a servant, to the church, 
so that they would know God, that his truth would be fully known to them. And I think the question we can see this verse, church, is how is God calling you? How is God calling us to serve his bride? Verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery had been hidden. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking about the gospel. The entire Old Testament points to the Messiah coming. What was this mystery that had been hidden for ages and generations? Well, in the Old Testament, God had made himself known through the people of Israel. And now, 2,000 years ago and today, he says, everyone outside the tribe of Israel, Gentiles, you are welcome. You are co-heirs in this gospel. You are co-heirs in it. And deep richness that, that we have is Christ, that everyone is equal, that we can all come to Christ. We can all experience the richness of knowing what Christ has done for us. And these last two verses talk about Paul's purpose and his power, his continued motivation and his means by which he suffered. Verse 28, him, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul went and proclaimed, he taught, he spoke, uh, he told others who Christ was to present this young church mature, that they would fully experience God. And he strived, he worked for it. And he said that where did he get the energy? He got his energy through Christ, through the gospel. Because we fall short, but Christ, his spirit is always with us in all things to show up and provide anything we need, the scriptures tell us. And so he had the energy that he needed. He had the supplies that he needed through Christ. So church, here's the closing question I want to ask you like I open with. Have you ever strived? Have you ever suffered? Have you ever sacrificed for someone else's gain? You know, a lot of times I see those pictures on social media, my why. It's usually the kids, right? Or something. Here's, here's my why. As Christians, our why of why we strive and suffer and sacrifice in our families at home and in this greater family, the church, is to make God's word fully known, like Paul says, so that every member of this church can become mature, can become complete. And how do we do that? We minister within this church. There's lots of ways we can minister. One, one way I realized as I read this passage over and over and over and it just hit me so hard this week is, I'll confess to you, church, not a perfect Christian, even as your pastor, I try to read the Bible each day. I try to get in God's word. And a lot of times I'm just kind of rushing through it. And it just hit me again this week that I don't get that much out of God's word when I just like, like read it real quick and like, bam, on to the next thing. If we're gonna minister if we're gonna proclaim God's word in our families, we need a moment of peace to say, God, what do you have to say to me today? So one way we can make God fully known, minister to each other like Paul, is to just be in God's word. Or another way we can minister is by, we've talked about this, using our gifts here in this church to serve each other, to sacrifice for one another, 
to make disciples, to call someone else close and spend time with them and teach them the things that God's teaching us, to share the gospel with others. Who is it that God's put on your heart to share Christ with? But our why, church, our why for why we sacrifice in our families, why we sacrifice here is that we would all experience the fullness of maturity of what God wants for us. And so church, I wanna encourage you today, press on, press on. I don't know what you're suffering through. I don't know your sacrifices. I don't know what's hard today, but Christ does. And our why is that he can complete us and he can use us so that all may know the joy that he has for us as his church. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity again to open your word. God, you know each of our hearts. As we, we go out from here, God, we know the the things we're striving for today, the things that we're enduring, suffering, the sacrifices that you're calling each of us to make. Jesus, I just pray that you would help us on that road ahead to walk the narrow path because you have a vision, Father, for your bride, this, this church, for every one of us, in our, starting with our families at home, to grow up to know you everyone here to mature to know you so we pray that you would be at work within us we pray this in your name